I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the Movie, the Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In this episode is a review episode, and whenever we review a movie, we first look at the good, what we liked about a movie, what was positive about it, what its strengths were. Then we move on to the bad, talk about what was shit about a movie, what its weaknesses were, what we didn't like about a movie. (laughs) And then we weigh whether or not the good outweighs the bad. Give it a score, and then move on to spoilers and final thoughts. And in this episode, our review is of Ant-Man and Wasp Mania. Let's get into it. I used to ask myself a lot of questions. Scott, you're at X-Con. How are you an Avenger? That doesn't make sense. But everywhere I go, people tell me the same thing. Thank you, Spider-Man. People still need help, Dad. That's why we made this. Like a satellite for deep space, but Quanta. Wait, wait a minute. You're sending a signal down to the quantum realm. Turn it off. Now. from the trailer to Ant-Man and Wasp, Quantumania. So, Shanna, this is the launch pad of Phase 5 of the MCU. We basically are starting a whole new saga, starting with Phase 4. I think it's a little too soon to, to judge this entire saga you know a lot of people <laughs> you think a, well a lot of people are quick yeah. to judge phase four right and it's just started yeah i think the whole thing's just gotten started and i think it's good it's healthier to look back and judge the entire thing you can judge of course each individual component you know the she-hulk tv show versus moon knight whatever but um 
now we are in phase five. This is the first of it. And we are going to discuss this element of phase five, Ant-Man and Wasp's Quantum Nania. Shanna, are you, have you become a big Ant-Man fan? Were you excited about this film as an Ant-Man movie or just this film as the next chapter of the MCU? I'm not a huge Ant-Man fan. I, I do like Ant-Man in Endgame. Mm-hmm. I know he had like a small role, but I liked seeing him part of the whole. Mm. Um, I don't like seeing him by himself. It doesn't truly appeal to me. Mm. Maybe I need to go watch Ant-Man again and then Ant-Man and Wasp and see if I feel differently now that I've seen a few movies mm. with that character. But I'm not a huge fan. I was excited about this film, though, because he's with a family. You know, it's not just him. He's mm. with his family. Yeah, I I, uh, I do have to rewatch Ant-Man and Wasp because we did review that early on in the podcast. I think in, in 2017 or 2018, we did review that. We had an episode on that. But I, I don't remember that one as well. I remember being favorable. I, I like Ant-Man. I do. I really like him. I do agree with you that he is better as a part of a whole. Mm. He doesn't um, necessarily stand out as much as a hero on his own necessarily. But he does more so than someone like Hawkeye, I think. Mm. And I was excited about this movie just because I knew... The premise of the film, which I should probably read. I haven't even told people yet what the premise and and, and the cast of this film is. It It is about Scott Lane and Hope, along with Hank and Janet, all Van Dynes except Scott. Uh, they explore the con- quantum realm, sort of. They get sucked into the quantum realm, really. And they interact with strange creatures, a whole new world, and embark on an adventure that essentially is a launching pad and continuation of previous threads, a launching pad for the rest of the saga to come. Directed by Peyton Reed, who is the one of two directors to actually direct three films in the MCU. I can't remember off the top of my head who the first one is. It might be the Russo brothers, actually. Uh, Jeff Loveness wrote the script. Jeff Loveness, interestingly enough, I just learned, is pretty much mostly a Jimmy Kimmel writer. He writes for Jimmy Kimmel Live, wrote over 200 episodes of that show. It stars Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catherine Newton, Jonathan Majors, and I'm going to stop right there with the cast list. Here's the thing about this movie. I think we're going to have a short discussion, and I think we're going to have a bigger spoiler-filled discussion here. So, Shanna, why don't you start with telling us, broadly speaking, what you what was good about Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania? For something that was mostly shot on green screen, it was a pretty cool world build. Mm. You know, it's a totally different world and you get to do whatever you want with it. There's organic there's organic matter. There's sh- sleek, shiny architectural matter. And so there's a nice variety happening in that world with textures and organisms and industrial revolution, essentially, I guess. I like that element of it. I like the world building. I like the creatures that we got to see. That was pretty exciting and unique and weird and mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, like amoebas, basically. Like that ended up being like giant creatures, you know, well, in this world. Yeah, and like 
a building that lives. And mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm, thought mm-hmm. that that was the design of it was interesting too. Yeah. You know, I just, I really like that. And it was also such a stark contrast because the living building was round and curved, but like the architectural, you know, made by other beings, people like. Yeah, the other buildings, yeah. Yeah, the buildings were very, you know, hard edged, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cornered, and sleek. Mm. So I just, the contrasts were all very interesting. The characters were pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Is it Cassie? Cassie Lane, played by Catherine Newton. So Cassie was fun to mm. watch. Uh, at times, I thought she was a little like, oh, wow, you know, big eyes. A little eyes. too wide-eyed? Yeah, I was mm. like, well, we can do better than that. Really? Okay. Um, I mean, wouldn't you be if you are in this world? And there's like your there's first... There's a fine line. There's okay. a fine line. All right. But you have to be careful with how you're depicting women in roles like this. If you're just... If you're if you're going to do too much wide eyes and breath, like, oh, it's too much. <laughs> okay. You know, so it's a fine line. You get two wide eye moments, two breathies, and that's it. Two breathies. Okay? Like, <laughs> you're otherwise... Two, two you're, breathy limit. <laughs> otherwise, you're risking... Her just looking like a, a ditz, and even though she technically isn't, uh, like you want to, there needs to be better balance. So right. okay, that's a fault. But um, otherwise, I enjoyed seeing her, and I thought it was great that she was wearing Converse's throughout everything she was doing. I didn't so even notice that. That okay. was really fun. All right. Any other uh, strengths of the film? I think I'm I'm too worried to talk further because I don't want to run into. Spoiler territory, maybe you can tell us what you liked. Okay, so uh, keep in mind all the other things that you thought were strengths, so we can go into them in spoilers. I think that this is a fun film, mm-hmm. as all the Ant-Man films tend to be. I think this film probably has the strongest villain, which it needs to. This is the film that is the proving ground for the main villain of the saga to come, right? So uh, Kane, the Conqueror, played uh, by Jonathan Majors, has to be great. And I do think he proves himself to be formidable. And there is a charisma there, too, Mm. to him. You know, he, he can be stoic, but he can be not without his own kind of reason. If, if, if you understand what I mean, you know, but he's, he's very determined, very persistent. And he makes it very clear that he's not going to let someone get in the way of what he wants. So I, I think he's I think he is great. I think this does really set up that character very well. We'll talk more probably in spoilers about the particulars of that. But I think I think that he's definitely a strength. I think that the. Here's the thing about the world building. It's like, this is sub-microscopic in a way, right? Like, this isn't stuff you can see under a microscope. It's even further deeper than that, right? So, in a way, it's this kind of like this sense of, like, there's no rules, you know, in, in terms of from a writing perspective. You can, you can make whatever you want, more or less, you know? Like, as long as, yes, you pertain to gravity being a law, mm-hmm. like er, anything else can exist in this world. And I think it's it's 
it's interesting because when we watched the trailer, we were kind of like, oh, it looks like Strange World, <laughs> you know? But I think, like, this movie has an out in terms of its world building that Strange World didn't and, and was more confusing than anything else. And so if you can accept that this is a world that is so beyond our perception and and, it, and there's absolutely no rules to what can actually exist in there, then you could probably go along with the ride here. And I think it, for the, you know, for someone like me who thinks about these things, it works. It works just fine. And I think you're right. There's some really cool ideas in, in what you see there, you know, and it's not completely removed because like I said, there's like giant creatures that look like they are microscopic, like amoebas or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That you see that kind of resemble some of those types of uh, creatures. And what would that look like if you were smaller than them and you know, things like that. So that's, that's really cool. I think the action is really awesome because Ant-Man's abilities are fairly dynamic and he has one, one particular trick move that in a way is a blink and you'll miss it trick move, but it is fun and to see him in action and to see him, you know, be agile. And I agree, Kathy Newton, man. Okay, so this is a character that's been recast th twice, okay? They didn't stick with the girl who played Cassie way back in 20... God, was it 2014 that the first Ant-Man movie was? 2015. I think it was 2015 that the first Ant-Man movie came out. And then they didn't stick with the second girl who showed up in Endgame with the grown-up grown Cassie line, right? Mm -hmm. So... Catherine Newton is kind of stepping into this role. You know, she's become a little, she's gained a little bit of uh, star power because of movies like, remember that slasher movie we saw a couple years ago where like the serial killer inhabited the teenage girl's body? Freaky? Freaky, thank you. I just completely forgot Freaky that name. Freaky 13 or something? No, no, it was just called Freaky. Okay, see, I always <laughs> was, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time. Yeah, so she's the star of that. I do like her in that. Yeah, and she's done, I think, a couple of things since, and so she's gotten some juice in star power, so she was a get for this film. And I think she proves herself as a great future member of this MCU cast. So I'm looking forward to her. I know there's fans of the character Cassie Lane. She actually becomes a young Avenger in the, in the comics. And I think her code name is Stature, which I was kind of like waiting. Are they going to somehow introduce that name, Stature, in this? Because that would be kind of cool, too. And I know fans would really love that. Mm. Uh, but they, but uh, I don't know if I caught that. But she's definitely a highlight. Jonathan Majors is definitely a highlight. What was not a highlight for you, Shanna, that you can talk about? What was, were there flaws? Were there issues that you had with this movie? And can you talk about them right now? Not, not really. I, I don't really have anything to say that really bugged me. I just, the thing about <laughs> two breaths and that's it. Two right. breaths, two wide eyes, and you're good. <laughs> Balance it out. <laughs> so... That was the only thing that bugged me. Mm. I, I don't know if it was a male director. If it was, then that's Peyton, probably yeah. the reason. Maybe. Yeah, Peyton Reed. He directed uh, the other two Ant-Man movies. Go ahead. Oh, I did have one, and maybe we can talk about it further, but 
it feels like a scene or two were missing with Hank. With Michael Douglas's character. Yeah. It felt okay. like there was something missing. So that was all. Was that early in the film in the first 20 uh, minutes or later on? Later. Okay. So we'll talk about that later. Don't forget about that too. For me, there's just a couple characters that I can't talk about right now that show up <laughs> that were weaknesses for me. There were one or two like, oh, that doesn't work. Mm, we'll talk about those definitely in spoilers. That's my biggest thing. My biggest issue with the movie is definitely spoilery. I won't ruin it for people here, but there are a couple characters that don't quite work that well. Uh, generally, though, I think this is a pretty good film. You know, what's interesting is I don't have it up right now, but I think this is one of the worst reviewed films in the MCU. <laughs> it's got uh, one of those Rotten Tomato scores that suggests it's a divisive film. Either you're going to like it or you're not. It's not even like anywhere in between kind of thing. The um, consensus out of th over 300 critics on Rotten Tomatoes is that it mostly lacks the spark of fun that elevated the earlier adventures. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I thought this film was very fun. All I'm right. a little confused. But Jonathan Majors is a thrilling villain poised to alter the course of the MCU. So this praise universally for Jonathan Majors and he is a really great actor. You've loved him since The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's elevating. So glad that he's, like, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. This is the year of Jonathan Majors with Ant-Man and Wasp and then Creed Three coming next month, I believe it is. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't, ha I haven't really poured over the critic reviews yet. I do like to take them into serious consideration to see what it is that, they, that people – of decent repute actually I have to say like James Bernardinelli of real views you know I like to see what they have to say actually James was positive on the movie but um and kind of see and weigh that against my experience of the movie because maybe often sometimes people point out things that like uh, when they explicate mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah yeah that's actually a really good point and it does kind of bring to mind and alter my perception of the movie because maybe I didn't think about a particular thing, but I'll get into that. I do think that on the surface, it is surprising that it is such a divisive movie. I don't think that necessarily the Hatman movies have been the strongest entries in the MCU overall, mm -hmm. but I do think this is a decent one. So Shannon, do you think the, the good outweighs the bad for Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania? Yeah, I think, I think it does. What would you rate the film? Oh, probably a seven. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what I would rate the film as well. Seven out of ten. I don't think it's a great... I think it's probably mm, overall... It's a good film. Yeah. It's a I, good film. If you're to rank the entire MCU, it's probably somewhere between 20 and 10, maybe, in, in, in that rank, in order. Definitely closer to 20 than 10. Uh, for me, I give it a seven out of ten. It's not a... a Capital G, great film, but it is a fun film. It is a really good film. There's a lot to uh, appreciate and enjoy. I think it's important to remember that this is the foundation for the phase. Mm. So it's not supposed to knock you completely out of your socks. And I don't think it's supposed to be amazing. Because then how are they going to keep that flow to like the final film of that phase or the final few films of that phase? 
Like these are just intro films. Like relax. You know, you actually raise an interesting point. I'm looking up right now. What started like um, phase two or three of the MCU? And uh, like, okay, phase three started with Captain America Civil War, right? But really, if you want to look at a, I think a you parallel, have to. I think you have to look at it like phase one because it's like we're starting again. We're bringing in a, a new generation. It's like we're starting from scratch. I would say phase two. And I and I wanted to double check myself because Iron Man 3 did initially come to my mind as a point of comparison um, where it came after the uh, the end of phase, uh, the end of the first phase of the arc. The unfair comparison is the end of the first phase of the of the story arc was the first Avengers film, which was a huge event movie. Right. And. While I think Iron Man 3 was a strong film thematically and everything, I, I think it's hard to compare, right? And that's not really the case with End of Phase 4, which ended with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have a big event film necessarily. So it's it's hard to compare. But a lot of people like to compare the, the phases that way expecting and what their expectations are. I don't think it works to compare the same. I do think that this is a weaker film than Iron Man 3 if you're even going to try to compare in that sense. But yeah, I don't think you can really look at it as as binary comparisons. I'm I'm not comparing it because you can't do that. Yeah. We're in a different realm. <laughs> We're huh. in a different realm here. Yeah. Yeah, so but you are um positive on it. I'm positive on yeah. it. Uh, let's get into spoilers uh, for Ant-Man and Wasp Mania, starting now. Okay, so spoilers for Ant-Man and Wasp Mania. Here we go. Is, is there anything that you would like to address first that you had alluded to previously? So most of the visual effects were great, except when it came to Modoc. Okay. I don't think we needed to have the mask off that much. So I you're you're we, you're literally. We could have just flipped it open. Oh, it's you, <laughs> and then closed it shut, and then maybe at the end. All right, all right, all right. First, 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 first. Let's back up. Let's introduce what we're talking about here, just for context. Okay. So there's a character named Modoc. It's an adaptation of a character in the comics. And it it's wasn't not... Patton Oswalt. <laughs> God damn it. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't. Why would you want it to be? That's weird. Because he's in the cartoon. Oh, I wouldn't know. So anyway, MODOK is the, what's it called? Uh, mechanized organism. Killer machine. No, no, no. Mechanized organism designed only for killing. You got to get it right. MODOK. All right. Now, now, this was something that was already spoiled for me. Oh, it was? Before seeing the film. And I really wish it wasn't. Because the way his entrance is, it really is kind of this thing that is like you're kind of getting hinted at it you know, through quick shots. And so if you're a fan, if you're familiar, if you're a comic reader, you're familiar with this character, it's better to experience it for the first time without knowing about it. And I'm really disappointed that was taken from me mm. because I, w- I, w- I would have been totally jazzed and excited. And... <laughs> So here's what you were talking <laughs> Until... about. So yeah. 
Modok has a very particular look in the comics, okay? And how they adapted that look here was for it to be a sort of like faceplate. That look is a static faceplate that is over the actual character and it goes it goes up and down somehow. Mm-hmm. Okay? Underneath that faceplate is a stretched out CGI head of Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll played the villain in the first Ant-Man movie in 2015, eight years ago. Okay? He was Yellow Jacket. And yes, on the first of all, let's talk about the visual effect of that. I agree that does not work. It is the most glaring thing in the whole movie that is immediately like, ugh. It's unfortunate because everything else meshed so well. Pretty much. Yes. And it is not a one-scene thing. It is throughout the rest of the movie. And I think it really undercuts Corey Stoll's performance as the character, which objectively, if I'm going to take a step back and just try to look at Corey Stoll's performance of the character, he actually is better here it, than he was as Yellow Jacket. He was a good character. The end was funny. Yeah. With him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We can debate whether or not that, that worked for us, but Yeah. Now, I happen to think that Yellow Jacket's one of the worst villains in the MCU. I think he was kind of dumb with kind of dumb with some of the things he did in the third act of Ant-Man. Wasn't that great of a, a performance or a character. I wasn't thrilled hearing that he was back in this. Mm. But thankfully, he's only back for this movie. So that's. We could put a nail in the coffin on Modoc and just being a one-off thing. I mean, well, I'm curious. Like, besides from the visual effects, did the character work for you in general? Do you wish you saw more of Modoc? Are you glad that it was Yellow Jacket no, coming back? No, um, I was fine with it. I wish it was visually better. And I was fine with... I was especially pleased with the cassie Modoc interaction where it's like, just stop being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop, and yeah. it it's kind of it's kind of an an announcement to all dicks out there. Just stop. <laughs> it's you never too stop. late. Yeah, yeah. Ne- never too late to not be a dick. Yeah, and even if you know you're gonna die and you want to pretend you were an Avenger, that's fine. We'll let you have that. You know, <laughs> like it's almost like it's saying to the MCU trolls out there, it's never too late to not be a dick, guys. Like, yes, well, here's another female character in the MCU. It's never too late not to be a dick. Yeah, sure, but I'm also thinking in the greater context of the female experience, like, you can stop. Sure. So, I appreciated that. I thought that that was a good, playful way to end that and kind of get, you know, get a little redeem, you know? I guess, And acknowledge, like, oh, I'm I'm kind of fucked up. Like, I am a dick. (laughs) I don't know how to be anything else. You can change. It's fine. So, I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that, and I appreciated that part very much. Mm-hmm. But I don't need more. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I just really wish I didn't know ahead of time. And here, this is what happens when an entire movie is CGI heavy on visual effects. And visual effects teams are stretched thin. Even though there's thousands of them for just a particular movie, 
they are stretched thin. They, there's there's been lots of reports about them working very long hours, being overworked, all this sort of stuff. And and sometimes this is what happens where one element in a movie isn't nearly as strong as the rest. Mm. You know, and I, I and if that's the case, if if it's if it's really a matter of the visual effects department just being really overworked and stretched, and this is this is the best they could do at this point with the timeline they had, okay, I I sure. I can be lenient on that, but it is a, a weakness in the film for sure. Mm-hmm. There was another character you brought up one of my major point on the movie of of issue. But there is another character that I don't think fully worked in the film. And this one's actually shown briefly in the trailer. I don't know why. But Bill Murray is in the MCU. Mm. He plays a character named Lord Krylar. Now, I don't know if Lord Krylar is uh, is a Marvel comic character. For all I know, he was made up for this movie, especially given the entire context of his character and his history with Janet Van Dyne. But he pretty much only exists for one scene. It's kind of very much Bill Murray to be like, I'll do this, I'll be in and out, you know, kind of thing. I'm not going to commit to five movies or anything. (laughs) I'm I'm having one day of work here, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not really sure that I loved this character and was really thrilled with him. It's kind of like, okay, well, because what happens is he was a freedom fighter with Janet Van Dyne against Kane the Conqueror long ago. And he eventually got coerced and joined uh, Kane. And he meets up with Janet, Hope, and, and Henry. And he capture, he try, tries to capture them for Kane to bring them to Kane. And what happens is there's a fight, and in that fight, a creature is grown large and eats him. Oh, I must have missed that part. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I believe it. All I right. believe it eats him because he eats these creatures. And yeah, okay, I wasn't sure. All right. Yeah, no, he's definitely. He's yeah, definitely no, his wrong. thing doesn't work. <laughs> Why would you have such a big star just to do that? Even if that's what he wants. Like, it's a bit weird. That is the thing. That is the thing. Like, you could have anybody in that role. And you court Bill Murray to do this role that isn't even like, I don't know, man. Like, it's not going to be a highlight of Bill Murray's career. And when you think of his actor, his characters, it's just... I Well, I'm trying to think, like, is there history with the two of them? But I don't think I there is. I can't think of a single movie with the two of them together. Yeah. Honestly. so If you search that, it tells you Witches of Eastwick. That's wrong. That's Jack Nicholson, not Bill Murray. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> Bill Murray in that movie at all. So, anyway, that that, didn't, that, that is a lesser issue I have of the oh, movie. Okay. It's, not, uh, it's not as big as Modoc, but... You know, if I were to really trying to think of issues, I, I don't think that character really worked. Mm. Well, did you like seeing him? I mean, I know you're a Bill Murray fan, largely. I'm a Bill Murray fan, but I went to the bathroom during his scene. <laughs> so I guess that says a lot. You know, I didn't feel like he was bringing something. That meant you needed to cross your powerful, legs and wait you know? five more minutes? Yeah, <laughs> like, 
if the trailer for Fast and the Furious 10 comes on and I see Jason Momoa, I'm holding it until I finish seeing Jason Momoa. And I'm a huge Bill Murray fan, so I'm not saying it's like a looks thing, but like if I really like someone, I will will stay and watch their scene. But I was like, there's nothing interesting happening here. I'm moving Mm, on. There you go. What were the things that you wanted to address? There were strengths that you had. There was a concern that you had with Henry Pam. Yeah. So with Henry, it just feels like he was missing a scene or two, whether that scene was five seconds or five minutes. Hmm. It felt like they were cutting the movie down and it felt like he was, you know how you can tell like something's missing here? It It felt like something was missing. What was a particular moment where you really felt that? I don't think I can really pinpoint it. We've only seen the movie once. So. Okay. Okay. Did you get that sense? No. Uh, no, because the the biggest thing that he does in the entire movie, aside from fly a spaceship or, or a non-spaceship, is a he, he brings the ant army. The ant army finds him. He learns yeah. what the ant army has been up to, and I he brings that them that to the battle. An, that was an interesting concept, and I was cool with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I I didn't really feel like there was anything missing that was really that that really stood out to me there. So yeah, I didn't feel that, but so I was, that's why I was kind of curious where you felt that most. What were the strengths that you were couldn't really speak to that were a little spoilery? The strengths. Well, I enjoyed seeing Cassie go big. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, and that was a nice father-daughter moment where they're like bonding real quick over it. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was lovely because it is like a, it's is a film about a family and how, especially a father-daughter. Yeah, and he's kind of missed this time with her, and she's this real badass environmental activist, you know. Mm. And I think it was also interesting, <laughs> you know, they had a few moments where. She was like, what are you doing with your life, dad? And it's right. like, well, he yeah. he did a lot. He gets to chill now. Mm. But at the same time, it's also like, okay, well, do you just give up after a certain age? Do you stop participating in the community? Mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm. not a great idea. Mm-hmm. So I thought the way that that was written in was pretty good and pretty relevant to today. Mm. Mm-hmm. That was definitely a strength for me. And then even uh, Janet having her secrets, like, it sounds like, it, you know, she was just trying to get by. Yeah. And her time down there. And, aside of course, from, she's not going to want to talk about it. Aside from leading a revolution against a villain. But, yeah. Well, even that can be painful. You don't know how many relationships she had and how many she lost it's a revolution so nobody really wants to gush about it fair enough so i i thought that that was valid and i thought it was interesting shout out to some of the random characters that we meet in the quantum realm Uh, first of all katie m o'brien who i'm not familiar with she played a character named gentora which seems to be like a leader of this uh of of this rebels rebel group William Jackson Harper from The Good Place plays a character named Quaz, who is basically a telepath. Mm. Uh, he was great in, in his uh, limited screen time. And I don't know if this is the character, but um, David Dasmalchian 
played Veb, I think, but don't know for sure that Veb was the character whose head was like this um, circular light beam. Either that or he's he's either that or he's he's the uh, character that doesn't have any holes. <laughs> oh, it's the character that doesn't have any holes. And then, OK, you know, he he gets shot up. I thought that was hilarious and so sad because he's like he seems like this really goofy naive character mm-hmm. and then he gets shot up and you're like oh no he's gonna die right and yeah. then he gets a hole and yeah. he's super happy about his life and he becomes kirby basically. yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> um so i want to shout out those those four characters because those are definitely the highlight of the other characters in the quantum realm that i don't think we'll ever see them again it'll be a surprise if we do but i definitely like them and they definitely added to the film it would be interesting to see how they would. Mm-hmm. That would be fascinating. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to say about this movie before we wrap up? I thought the ending was pretty good. Yeah. You know, when he starts to realize, we should also talk about like end credits, uh, when he starts oh, yeah. to realize, oh, wait, he said that if he doesn't get out, more is coming. And I, what did he mean by that? <laughs> and what's Did I just kill everyone? <laughs> What's interesting is it's a sunny day. He's having a good time, you know, in his little community, getting whatever he's getting and everything's going great. And then he has this realization. And what's interesting is the lighting changes ever so slightly. And then everyone starts looking towards him. Mm. And it's so creepy, but it's beautiful because that is how you feel if you're doubting yourself yeah and then he gives himself a little pep talk and he's like yeah everything's gonna be fine you need to stop overthinking (laughs) and so it's a very relatable moment but like the stakes are so freaking high for him yes and i just feel like i don't know what the procedure is but like you should have like a debrief you should let you know whoever's in charge like shield or whatever you should at least let them know like hey i ran into a situation Mm. But, uh, yeah. You reminded me of something else before we go, other than the, the, the credit scenes that I wanted to address, which was ha- oh, halfway through the film or whatever, you, you said to me, oh, my God, is he going to die? It really felt like it. And, and I, didn't, it didn't think, I didn't think that until you said something. And then I was like, oh, you know, actually, it would make sense if, if Scott died in this for uh, various reasons mm-hmm. of what had already happened at this point. And there's there's that problem. What was it called? The probability uh, matrix oh, that was zone, beautiful. which was bizarre and crazy and, and and really awesome. But then you had the fight with Kang, mm-hmm. and and Sky is getting absolutely owned by Kang when they're trying to fight to get through the portal home, yeah. which. My God, why couldn't it be that simple to begin with? You know, to just, why didn't we just create this portal in the first place, guys? <laughs> you know? They needed the ball. But, yeah. So, they have this fight, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, Scott actually could die. Yeah. Shanna might be right. And well, how amazing would that be? Because when he's just staying his normal size, he doesn't really have much protecting him. Like, I don't he's think he's the- even very good at blocking so he's a decent but not the best fighter i mean he even admits like i would not be crazy enough to go in against someone like captain america yeah you know like someone who actually knows how to fight you know yeah their conversations were great yeah i really thought he was gonna die or hank was gonna die because it felt like something was missing Mm. and so i was like oh 
we're just probably missing a scene, you know? Do you think the film would have been stronger if one of them died? Or better? I don't know. Here's how I see it. I see it as they're probably saving characters to expend later. Okay. So if they're not dying now, mm-hmm. like the parents, the parents weren't even wearing suits. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. No protection whatsoever. I don't mm-hmm. know how much the suit protects against punches, but no protection. And I just thought it was interesting that they didn't die or get badly injured. I mean, oh, there we go. Like Hank is in the the spaceship and it gets pulled down by. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah, go on. By bad guy, and like, there's not a scratch on him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe the ants came and helped him or something, but we don't know. That is missing. That is something that is definitely you cannot mm-hmm. just show up unless I went to the bathroom, no. which I don't think I missed no. that. Yeah. But yeah. So again, to the question of whether or not the villain would have been stronger or better if either of them died, it doesn't sound like you have an opinion either way. They didn't necessarily have to die this time. But, but you, someone's going to die later. Yeah, you think it's going to be later. Yeah. Okay, and, and and I could see that. I could see that argument. I do think that this uh, film would pack a punch, no pun intended, if Scott, uh, if this was the movie where Scott Lane died. And also, how cool would it be if that left, if we had Cassie Lane fill that void? You know, that would be cool. But I hear what you're saying. It remains to be seen. Let's talk about those end credits scenes before yeah. we wrap up. So there, this is the first time I can think of in quite some time, if ever, where both scenes are about the same thing, which is both scenes having to do with Kane, the Conqueror. We have the one where I think this might be the first scene. We have the three different types of, of Jonathan Majors talking, and it's revealed there's an entire arena of canes. Yeah. Yeah, they're bringing everyone to come and have some sort of meeting or power <laughs> up or something. And so you get to see him take on these different costumes and have different reactions of pump up and Dif- excitement. Different personalities, for it sure. It was very, very interesting. And actually, while we were talking, I couldn't stop thinking about that because mm. it was just so fascinating. Like, I want to know. I want... I want a behind the scenes of what that looked like, you know, mm. filming that. Cause that's quite a, that's quite a muscle to exercise. Sure. And then what was the other scene? Uh, where Loki and that's right. Thingamajig. I don't know. Blonde hair. I don't actually know. I remember I didn't, I, I didn't register his... that character at all, but it's Owen Wilson. It was. It's Owen Wilson's character. Really? Oh, I didn't register that at all. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, yeah, so we're in like early 1900s, maybe, maybe 1800s, England, right? Mobius. It was Mobius? Wow. Yeah. I didn't even recognize him. Okay, so they're seeing a presentation by Kane, which seems to be a direct payoff of the end of Loki season one. How Loki got there, what's going on. We don't know. We'll probably learn in Loki season two. Well, at the end of season one, um, he Mobius doesn't remember anything. It's like their minds got wiped mm. or reset. Right, right, yeah. So he has to re-educate, catch up people. Uh-huh, right. So. Did you have any thoughts about either of those scenes you wanted to share? I Like I said, I enjoyed the Kang one. This one, 
okay. I, I knew that Loki was going to be in here somewhere and I figured he would be in end credits because mm. it wouldn't entirely make sense because no. we don't actually see... We're not in the Time Bureau when we're in the Quantum Realm. No, not so, at all. Not at all. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Which is good because then it lets us see other things and deal with other themes. Right, right. So very exciting though because again, it's pushing forward what it is, what is to come over the next couple of years. So uh, on that end, finally we got a movie that's starting to pay off and starting to move the story forward of this over overarching saga. So those are our thoughts on Ant-Man Wasp, Quantum Mania. What did you think? Feel free to share with us. Email us at the Gibson Review at gmail.com. That'll do it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shanna, before we talk about the next episode, why don't you share with everyone where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna Paxton Photography and on Flickchart Spellbinding A. Go to thegibsonreview.com. Pretty soon there, there will be an article about the Muppets. Ranking and reviewing every single theatrically released Muppet movie. I hope you do peruse and read that article among many articles I have on the website. Go follow on social media, facebook.com slash thegibsonreview or on Instagram, thegibson99. I do bracket polls there and as of... The day before recording, we just finished up your favorite breakup movie, and it was by a hair, Gone Girl, that won. We're talking about a difference of 1.9%. Go ahead and read on Instagram what that was all about and how that came to be. Eventually, we will have another bracket poll related to the next episode of the movie lovers what will that be that will be our film faves episode a countdown of our favorite pre-title sequences these are sequences scenes that exist before the title credits we did opening title uh, sequences a year or so ago i think that was our favorites that was a lot of research a lot of fun we've been researching this one as well and I think it's just a matter of us finalizing our list. So we're very excited to share those with you. And you will see a poll where you can pick which ones are your favorites. Until then, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.